all, praise the Lord, kingdom greetings to each and every one of you. Grace and peace with love from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I bring you special greetings here with Dehima McLean. Uh, thank you so very kindly for joining Kingdom Empowerment uh, tonight. Amen. I want to give special greetings also to Dr. Ganny and her husband, as well as all those who join in on the line every first and third Mondays of every month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Listen, I am on here every Mondays, every first and third Mondays of every month uh, from 7 through 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, two hours of power pack teaching, and truly we're on here to provide you spiritual edification, a spiritual nourishment, amen. We preach the unadulterated and infallible word of God. And so we truly want to be a blessing unto you by sharing these dynamic words um, that we have. Uh, what I want you to do, if you'll be so kind, just go ahead and invite someone. Um, have them dial in on the line tonight at Kingdom Empowerment. Amen. Right here, 646-668-2413. Again, that's 646-668-2413. And I guarantee you that you will be blessed. Amen. I have a message tonight. I want to talk to you about sounding the alarm. Uh, the Lord has been having me to resound this message. Amen. Since of lately, and I know the certainty that uh, God wants uh, his people to get this message. And so tonight, the topic, if you will, is sounding the alarm. Uh, we will be talking about the perilous times and day and age that we are living in right now. And so I want you to go ahead and invite as many people as you can. Uh, if you do not have the opportunity uh, to listen on the line tonight, then all, you can always go back to the playback, amen, and share it on social media with your friends and with your families. Uh, but I do want you to join in the line. If you have any questions, statements, or comments, we open the line every 10 to 15 minutes for anyone who would like to interject or uh, have a prayer request. Uh, we take those as well. Uh, we want to be able to hear your voice and what you have to say relating to this topic. And so tonight we're going to be talking about sounding the alarm. Let us pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for tonight. Lord God, we give you all the praise. We give you the glory. We give you all the honor that you so richly deserve. God, you are worthy. Hallelujah, you are more than enough And we thank you Yet for another day in the land of the living You are the all-sufficient one God, we bless you And we acknowledge you tonight Right here on Kingdom Empowerment God, we present ourselves to you As a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable unto you For God, it is our reasonable service We pray tonight that God You would take us to a higher dimension in you Yes, God, help us to access new levels, new places, uh, hallelujah, in which we have never been before. God, we are here to learn of you, learn more about you, uh, hallelujah, as we are in this time where the days are becoming more and more evil. Lord God, we want to hear, we want to hear a word from you, we want to hear from heaven. Uh, God, we come to learn of you. Uh, we pray that God, tonight, you will bring about an illumination. Uh, uh, God, upon this uh, line tonight, I pray that you will illuminate 
Sunday our understandings. Yes, God, let the Holy Ghost get on the deep on the inside of us that we can understand your word, but not only to be a hearer of your word, but God, that we will be a doer of your word for Lord. You are seeking those who are obedient to you. Hallelujah. And therefore, God, we submit ourselves to you. We humble ourselves before you. God, seeking your counsel, seeking your understanding, your wisdom, your knowledge. God, we need knowledge in this day and age that we're living in. As you said in your word, Hosea 4 and 6, that God, by people perish for lack of knowledge. And God, we don't want to perish. Lord God, we want to be saved. We don't want to be lost. And so, God, we are seeking your face. We're seeking you, God. We put aside every pretension. We put aside every masquerading party. We put aside anything that will easily beset us. And God, we're asking tonight, God, that you would bring a hallelujah, understanding, a deeper level of revelation and insight so that, God, we may know you for real. Hallelujah, because you're coming back again. And, Lord God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would get deep down on the inside of us. Yes, God, perform a surgery on our hearts and everyone that's listening on the line tonight, everything that's out of order, our God, and is not in alignment. God, hallelujah, redirect us, help us to get back into divine alignment with you tonight, God. Hallelujah, God, put a new word in our mouth. We pray for a fresh rhema word, a fresh revelation, a fresh matter from heaven, God. Hallelujah, that will shift the nations, that will shake the nations, that will get the people to bow down to their knees again, to acknowledge you, to know that you are God, that we may fear you once again. God, that you will refresh us, oh Lord. Hallelujah, not only will you refresh us, but God, that Lord God, you, you will cause your zeal and your fire to burn inside of us. Yes, God, give us a new passion once again. Lord God, we are seeking you tonight, and we acknowledge you in all our ways, God. Father God, we thank you for this time of refreshing. We thank you for this time of teaching. And God, we pray that you speak through us, in us, and among us, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray tonight. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless God for every person that has joined in on this prayer line tonight. Uh, God, we just want to say that there is a word for you that I want you to be able to open up your spirit ear that you can hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Amen. And so the message that I want to bring to you is sounding the alarm. Uh, what I find happening uh, uh, recently is that um, we're not, excuse me, we're not uh, receiving a timely word as we should. Uh, what do I mean by that? There are many people that are uh, distracted by all these different theologies and philosophies uh, that we're teaching today. And most of which that what people are teaching is nothing but uh, charisma being displayed. It's nothing but a, a manufactured word uh, that we're receiving that God is not saying. And so what happened is that there are many words that's going forth that's giving people a sense of false hope. Uh, we're preaching messages that are making people feel comfortable. Uh, we're making people feel uh, that, that it's only grace.
It's for making people feel as though it's all love and everything is peaches and cream that is going to be summertime every year, throughout the year. Uh, we feel we're telling people that their seasons of their life is always great and the devil is not on your back. We're telling people messages that uh, we are living in great times and not perilous times. And so there is a, a, a deception going on. Uh, there is a, a seducing spirit that has gone out that's feeding people theology that God has never spoken. In fact, the Bible declares that prophets and many false teachers have gone out into the world and they're preaching messages uh, and they're saying thus saith the Lord that God has never said. And as a result of that, people are being led astray. Uh, God, as a result of that, people are, are, are dying. People are being led down the path of destruction because they're receiving a sense of false hope. They're receiving uh, messages uh, uh, that, that's distorting their minds and their perception. And so when they see that their life is going in a different direction and taking a different turn, they, they begin to blame it on God. And they're saying, God, I thought you said, God, where are you? But in actuality, God did not authorize one of these people that has gone out and have led God's sheep astray. And so we are living in a time and day and age where we have to preach the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. We have to preach a message the people to be redeemed. Amen. We have to preach a message that's going to cause the people to be saved. We have to preach a message, a message of urgency. Hallelujah. I don't know if you've ever, uh, if you live in New York City, but I'm going to give you an example. Uh, just like today, the, uh, uh, we've all got some notifications on our phones uh, saying warning. Uh, it's a flash flood. Uh, hallelujah. It said today uh, in New York City that the weather the forecast was going to be bad because it's going to be a flooding taking place, that the rain is going to cause some delays, my God, that the rain is going to cause uh, even danger if we're not careful. So the warning has gone out. And so we received this early in the morning just to give us a head start and an inclination of what's to come. And so we all got that notification, and I have several devices in my house, and as it begins to go off, I heard it begin to beep, and one phone started to beep, my tablet started to go off, another phone started to go off, and all these different devices started to sound the alarm, hallelujah, and as I begin to look, it says, warning, there's a flash flood, but amen, it gave us an advance notice, and that's what God is saying for his prophets, for his pastors, for the evangelists, the teachers, uh, the apostles to do today, that we have to begin to sound the alarm. We have to let people know that there's a warning and let them know beforehand. Don't give them messages telling them that the spiritual forecast of their life is going to be sunny. Don't tell them that it's going to be a 90 degree weather and everything is going to be great. Uh, but you have to let them know that there's a warning. Uh, that there's a warning going out and unless you send out the warning, uh, the people are going to go out unaware and they won't be prepared for what's to come. And so God is saying that we have to preach a message that we're doing just like that. Uh, there's a warning, and, and even with that flash flood, I'm reminded of Noah. I'm going to get into Noah in just a short while, but we have to begin to send out the warning. And I hope you're following me tonight. And, and so 
it says that we are living in a day and age where we are, the days are becoming more and more evil. Uh, the Bible says this one thing, that the hearts of many are waxing cold, which simply means that people are doing what they want to do. Uh, now we don't fear God. We become a nation that don't fear God anymore. We've become a nation uh, that has become presumptuous, that's bold. We've become idols and gods to ourselves. Uh, uh, we've become a people that has been, uh, that is lawless, that we don't want God to dictate to our lives as to what we should do because there's too many laws and rules in the Bible. And if God gave me free will, why do I have these rules and the commandments and laws that I have to follow by? Why can't God just let me be? Why do I have to do this? And if I don't do it, then there's a consequence. Well, that's what the Bible is talking about. Uh, there's a lawlessness. Uh, there's a sense of absence of the Holy Ghost in this day and age that we're in. Uh, so the hearts of many are waxing cold. Uh, uh, and so now we find that the people who once used to fear God, where we uh, once had a holy desperation, you know the times when we used to go to the church and we begin to pray for real. We don't care if uh, who was looking. Uh, 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 when we had those glory experiences where uh, you came to church all dolled up, you came with your Sunday morning hat, you maybe came with your uh, your red bottoms, Louis, B- Louis Vuitton sh- uh, pocketbook and the red bottom shoes and uh, the nice MAC makeup on your face, uh, but when the Holy Ghost showed up, uh, all of that began to melt off your face, your hat went uh, left and your shoes went right uh, because the Holy Ghost was there. There was a time when we went to church and we didn't need musicians because we became the instrument. Our travail our cry for God was uh, was the sound that we knew that God was looking for because there was a sincere and authentic cry. We didn't need to hide behind the music. We didn't need to hide behind the mu- uh, the musicians uh, to praise God for us. We came with our praise. We came with our fire. But now we don't even see that anymore. We've been compensating uh, the lack of absence of the glory of God for entertainment. Uh, and then we called that doing church. And so now there's no holy desperation anymore. There's no passion. And it seems like people have rejected God altogether. Not only have we done that within the school systems, but we've done that in the government. They want to take out, in God we trust. They'll take out God in the school. Just take God out. But then when we face with trivial moments and trivial times, then people want to blame God and say, God, where are you? Well, where do you expect God to be? You ask him not to be there. God is a gentleman. If you ask him not to be there, he won't be there. He's not going to force himself upon us. He's not going to force himself in the school if you kicked him out of the school. Amen. He's not going to be in the nations if you don't acknowledge him to be God. So which one are you going to choose? Do you want God or you don't want God? Is uh, one way or the other. Uh, you can't have the best of both worlds. That's not how it works. And so now we've tried to bring that, that carnal and mental mentality and we find that Christians are even doing it. The Muslims are doing it. Now we want to be like the world instead of the world impacting the uh, the church impacting the world. You have the world impacting the church, and then you have all these things going on. The Bible calls it lawlessness. He calls it sin, and we have to call it for what it is. Sin is sin, and there's nothing else more to say about that. And so because people have rejected God, now we're scared of now where we're steered with problems and, and trials and all these things going on. And so the end time is clearly staring us right there in our face. Uh, and the sad and tragic part about it is that many people don't even know that we're in the end time. And that's simply
simply because we're not spiritually inclined enough to know that we are living in perilous times. And so the Bible says that we're giving, telling people that there's peace and safety, but then there's going to be sudden destructions. And so we're not telling people the right words that they ought to hear. People don't even know the day and age that we're living in. We're thinking that everything is okay. And we don't see that the coming of the Lord is nigh. We don't even see it. We don't even know it. And, and, and that's what's happening today. And so the Bible talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says that this know also that in the last days that perilous times shall come. Perilous times shall come. Watch this. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. They shall love themselves. They shall be covetous, meaning that they want stuff that don't even belong to them. They want something uh, because of they're greedy, because uh, they, they can't satisfy, because they're not content. They're not happy with the way their lives are right now. They're not happy with God, what God has provided. They want more than what they can handle. Uh, we're finding that men are going to become bolsters, uh, and they're proud, uh, which God hates, which is pride, uh, blasphemers where they're going to curse God. Uh, They're not even going to acknowledge him. They're going to curse the Holy Spirit. Uh, They're going to be disobedient to parents. Uh, We see even the enemies attacking the children today, uh, attacking their mind. Uh, Their conduct is nasty. They're all jacked up and messed up. They're serving the devil. They're in the world. Uh, And so we have to pray for our children, disobedient to parents, uh, not even respecting them anymore, unthankful, unholy, uh, without natural affection. The Bible calls them truth breakers, uh, false accusers, incontinent, uh, fierce, despisers of those that are good. You know those who are trying to uh, to teach the good, to preach the good, uh, they despise you and people will hate you because of that. Uh, he said people are going to be traitors. They're going to be heading, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than the lovers of God. They are more content in pleasing their own flesh, the flesh that's going to perish. Uh, uh, they don't care how they live. They don't mind living careless uh, because they have this saying YOLO Y-O-L-O meaning you only live once so might as well you live it up now and, and, and I'll deal with the consequences later but let me tell you you don't want to deal with the consequences later and no it's not YOLO you don't only live once in fact there's life after this you may feel that this is life but there's life after this in fact uh, it's when you die that's when it has begun uh, and so this is just a stage. This is just preparation of what's to really come. And how you live your life now is how you're going to spend eternity, amen, for forever and ever. And so really, it's not no YOLO. It's not, I don't know where we get this phrase from. I don't know who's teaching these doctrines and and, and poisoning uh, the minds of people, but it's not uh, uh, just to live life now in the pleasures and, and let me just drink and go to the clubs and fornicate and commit adultery and lie and steal and backbite and, and, and live like a devil and do whatever it is that I want to do and expect God to be pleased and type of thing uh, and, 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 and no longer truly love God because if you love God, then you, you obey his commandments as the scripture said. You won't do these things to disappoint God. If you fear God and you got the Holy Ghost for real on the inside of you, conviction has to take you but guess what people are becoming lovers of themselves they 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 want pleasures 
more than the things of God. Uh, they, they desire money more than the things of God. Temporary satisfaction. But the Bible says, but denying the power thereof. And here goes the bombshell. He says, from such turn away from. Turn away from. It simply means that we got to be separated. Be ye separated and come out from among them. Because guess what? Bad company corrupts good habits. If you want to be down with the world, then guess what? They're going to eventually rub off on you. And you have to choose what it is that you want to do. Uh, And so separate yourself from them. If you want to live a consecrated life, if you want God to bless you, if you want the blessings of the Lord to overtake you, if you want to be fruitful in life, if you want to have abundance, to harvest the promises of God, then you've got to learn to separate yourself from the things of the world. You've got to learn to separate yourself from things that's going to distract you, the worldly pleasures. One thing I love about the scripture is this. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about even Noah. Noah knew when it was time. Hallelujah. To separate himself. He says, okay, we're all living in the same place, but I've got to separate myself from you. I've got to do what God tells me to do. And he obeyed God. And and because he obeyed God, he and his family were saved. Uh, uh, We even see where you got to separate from them. Uh, because if you don't do them, they will begin to defile you. Uh, we see that even with Joshua uh, and Achan in the camp, uh, when people are corrupting you uh, and they, they bring their messiness around you, that's what it's called, it's messiness. When they bring their messiness and sin uh, around you and try to hide it or, or they're doing it boldly and presumptuously, uh, after a while it begins to affect everybody in the camp. Uh, what happens is that sin becomes like a cancer. And unless you separate yourself, then guess what? Uh, it begins to metastasize and it begins to affect you. Uh, and then you're wondering, well, what's this thing? Uh, why has this thing come upon us? Why we can't fight the devil anymore? Why, we, why we're not seeing any victories? Why is it that my life is at a standstill? Something's got to be wrong. Well, that's because somebody was in your camp that done messed up, and, 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 and or whether it was you or somebody else in the camp, but somebody done messed up, and you've got to separate yourself from that. Likewise, we see that uh, in the government. We see that in school systems. We see that in all different kinds of systems, and even in the church. We find that even if there's one person that's on the pulpit, and, and you came with your fire, and you came with your zeal, and you came with your passion, but the fact that that person was fornicating or committing adultery, or if that somebody was sitting in some way or the other, something just off. It's either the glory of God won't show up, the anointing doesn't flow, everything bounces back, uh, uh, something is just off, and everybody gets affected by it because there's one little uh, snake in the camp. Are you hearing this message tonight? This message is not a message. I'm not yelling at anyone. This message is a message because I'm speaking out of God's zeal. I'm speaking from the heart of God to tell my people, to tell his people that he wants us to get it right, to get our houses in order. So for anyone who may misconstrue the tone of this message, uh, this message is being spoken out of a uh, 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 passion is being spoken out of compassion uh, because God is saying this because he loves you uh, and, and he's saying it because it is a sense of urgency whenever you have you ever been in a state where there's an urgency if there was an emergency and urgency I'm sure you're not going to say it like this well I am warning you I think you should get out 
of that building building. You would not take me seriously because guess what? Well, that must that person must be kidding, you know. Uh, uh, but when you say get out of the building, guess what? You, you you know that you're in danger. Well, that's why I speak with such passion tonight. It's to let somebody know that we this is a sense of urgency. We're sounding the alarm tonight. I'm going to open up the lines uh, for those who have any questions, statements, or comments. I pray that you are receiving this message on this evening. Caller, you are live if you want to interject something. If you have any questions, statements, or comments, uh, caller, you are live. God bless you. God bless you, woman of God. God bless you, man of God. God bless you. Yeah, and number one, thank you for the topic, uh, sounding the alarm. It's it, it's a blessing. You know, I I just wanted to uh, add to what you were saying. Uh, can can you hear me clearly? Yes, I can, sir. Okay. You know what you're saying with regards to doctrine and a curse thing is is really nothing new when we. Think of the early church. They've had the same problems as well, even with regards to determining um, who Jesus is and also what relationship does Jesus have with his heavenly father. I've been recently doing some uh, research on the Council of Nicaea and uh, some of the practices uh, that were going on back then. And the church was was really at odds with itself, so much so that uh, the Roman Emperor, Emperor Constantine I, at that time, uh, decided to convene. And what I mean by that is he, he said, okay, uh, he can't have any unrest in that region. Uh, that, that, that was a region that was controlled by the Roman Empire, and there was issues within the church, and he wanted those issues dealt with. And there was a, uh, uh, a rift. Or, or a, a strife between uh, an ideology. And just to get a little, to a little background of it, it was a clash between, uh, again, as I said, the relationship between the father and the son. And uh, the word is homogeneous, uh, homogeneous, uh, which simply means that, uh, that the son is of the same substance as the father. Uh, some pronounce it homogeneous, uh, meaning, again, that the son is of the same substance. There's another word mm-hmm. that is very similar, but an I is included in it, which means that Jesus is similar to the father. So I'm saying all of this to say that uh, we have to be very, very careful because, as the Bible says in uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, there are going to be some individuals who are going to profess themselves to be wise, but they became fools. There are going right. to be people who are going to try to explain away the relationship between the father and the son. And uh, this is the problem that we have. And this is the problem that uh, uh, we had even back then in the early and in, in the, uh, the fourth century. Uh, the problem is, is that you have all these different uh, ideas. Uh, I'll give you one, Sibelianism, uh, which is a form of modalism. And what that is, is instead of what we call the Trinity, even though I don't like to necessarily use the word Trinity because it's not in the Bible, so I'll just say Godhead, but the topic was discussing 
what is the Trinity, what is the purpose of the Trinity, and according to uh, those who follow the teachings uh, called Sabellianism, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit don't, in essence, act simultaneously, but they rather, God uh, shows himself to be the Father, and then in another way, he will manifest himself to be the Son, and then in another way, he will manifest himself to be the Holy Spirit. So he operates <clears throat> in aspects, or what is called modes, versus a Trinitarianism, uh, a way of looking at it, meaning that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work uh, with each other and together, so they work simultaneously for our, for our salvation plan. So there's confusion there. So now you have individuals that are saying, mm, maybe I'll lean more towards Sabellianism, uh, maybe I'll lean more towards uh, 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 Arius, Alexander Arius, who believed that, that uh, Jesus uh, was not divine, that he was a creature created in time. He was, uh, he was a creature uh, by, created by God, and that, in essence, instead of being divine and, and always existing, as it says in Colossians, uh, he was born in time. And this is a teaching that uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses and also the Mormons believe, that Jesus is, was a creature born at a specific point in time. Well, that's a problem for us, because then now if Jesus is a creature born in time, then um, when the scripture tells us that salvation is of God, uh, that's a problem. Because if salvation is of the Lord, then Jesus, when he died on that cross, he remained in the grave. He's dead. He's finished. He had no power to, he, in fact, he, didn't, he not only didn't have any power, he didn't have any authority to even go down into the grave and now become a sin bearer. Why? Because he's a man. And if he's just a creature, then that means he was born in sin. Scripture tells us in, in, in uh, Psalms, David, King David said, he says, uh, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So uh, being that he knows that he was shaped in iniquity, he had to he, So therefore, if Jesus who was born into sin, and we know that he wasn't, if he was born in sin, there's no way he could possibly save us. It is an impossibility. So uh, it's a teaching. And I'm not, I don't agree with the teaching, but nevertheless it's a teaching that uh, was taught at that particular point in time and is still being taught today. Sorry for uh, running, uh, <laughs> for uh, talking too much. God bless you. I'll continue to listen. God bless you, man of God, and thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and so these are some of the, the philosophies and teachings that, are, that have gone forth. And, and what they are is nothing more but distractions uh, and to, to deter us away from the real issue here, which is what I've mentioned in retrospect, that it is end times. And this is the doctrine uh, that God wants us to preach about and to preach and stick holistically to the message and sticking to the scriptures and not deviating away from that. Uh, I, and just take it for what it is and, and stop trying to twist and bend the word and, and, uh, and take the word and, and uh, twist it to suit yourself and making the word into a twister. Look, we do all these kinds of things and it's nothing more but foolishness. And I'm just going to say it in its most simplistic terms. Uh, it's foolishness. 
and it's distracting us from the true focus. And as a result of that, we find that because of these philosophies and teachings and false all this falsehood that has gone forth, uh, what happened now is that God is causing many of these people uh, to become reprobates. They're becoming reprobates because they're wise in their own minds. And, and because they're wise in their own minds, they think they can figure God out. They think that they uh, can gain uh, salvation uh, uh, through their own means, by their good deeds. Uh, uh, they try to do things with their own logic, within their own human effort and strength, and only to realize that uh, they're in error. And so God allows these people to uh, fall into a reprobate mind and as a result of having a reprobate mind what happens is that apostasy begins to kick in apostasy kick begins to kick in so what is the apostasy what is the great apostasy uh, that's spoken about um, in scriptures and so when we look at the word apostasy uh, this is from the Greek word up there right I'll spell it for you a p o s t a S I A, which means that there would be uh, a defiance of an established system or authority. Uh, it's a rebellion, an abandonment, or breach of faith, and it's a great falling away. I'm going to repeat that again. It's a defiance of an established system or authority, a rebellion, an abandonment or breach of faith, it's a great falling away. And so apostasy is a great falling away that's taking place, and that time is uh, uh, quickly approaching. And, in fact, that time is now. It's here uh, because there are many people that have fallen away. You have found that there was uh, one given time uh, where people were preaching uh, the truth, but now they're coming up with all these different kinds of things and uh, some prominent figures that you see even in Christendom, they're preaching this heretic. Uh, there's one particular one, which I won't call the name, is preaching uh, this heretic, and he started off well. But that's what the Bible speaks about in the book of Galatians. He says, oh, foolish Galatian, who has bewitched you that you should not be, uh, uh, believe the truth? Uh, you started off well, but who hindered you? Somewhere down the line, you've... You've, uh, uh, you went in a different direction. So it's not how we start. It's how we finish. And the Bible says that the race is not for the swift, nor is the battle for the strong. So uh, the falling away has already taken place. And uh, in Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3, it says, when, uh, when, some will depart, excuse me, from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of demons, speaking lies and, and hypocrisy. And many people are, are going to preach a, a different, another doctrine, and it's not even biblical. Um, in fact, they're going to speak with so much articulation of speech. Uh, they're, they're going to speak to you, and it sounds so good. It's so, so seducing. You're going to think that it's God. But if you don't examine the word, as the scripture says for us to, to dissect the word, 
study to show yourself approval. Workmen needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And unless you divide the word of truth and look for the fruit that is in that message, in that word, in that minister who's bringing forth that word, you will never be able to uh, effectively determine uh, or discern if it's of God or not. Because the speech is going to be so seducing. And by the way that they execute the word and articulate it, it sounds good, but it's defected. It sounds good, but it's venom to your soul. Right? And so they will preach, uh, uh, they will preach with charisma. They, they preach with style and charisma. Just in case the Holy Ghost don't show up, then the charisma will kick in for them. And, and, and guess what? Many people are being drawn to this. Many people are actually uh, 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 giving heed to this. Now, we don't even want what's authentic anymore. Now, we're, we want charisma. We want those who can shout the loudest. And if you don't shout the loudest, then they don't think that you're anointed. Even if you're an anointed teacher, the fact that you're teaching the message, the fact that you're, 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 you're not doing things the way uh, the, the, the crowds would do it, they won't think that you're anointed. But you've got to be uh, preaching loudly and then doing those false religious praise breaks. And, 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 and you've got to have charisma because unless it's charisma, then we're not going to show up to your event. We're not going to go to church. We're not going to go to the conferences. We're not going to come on your prayer line. We're not going to uh, 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 join you on your live teaching. We're not going to do anything with you because it's not something that's appealing to me. It's not something that appeals to my flesh or appeals to the emotional and then that's what it is and so the articulation of speech has compensated for the anointing preaching with style and charisma uh, but with no true power and so these messages uh, that we see now it's, it's no longer about the cross it's no longer about the resurrection about the blood but this is the messages that's going to save us. It's those messages that's going to transform us. It's these messages that we preach about the blood, the cross, his resurrection, his death. Amen. Are the messages that God wants us to be able to preach. And unless we preach this message, it is no doctrine at all. I'm going to say that again. Unless we preach these messages, it's no doctrine at all. And first Timothy 4, verses 1 through 2, uh, uh, makes reference that uh, these events are going to take place, right? You find that in, in, in those, those, that particular scripture. And really what this is, is nothing more than a precursor of what's to come. It's letting us know that we are within that time, that when you see these things, look up, redemption, draw nigh. When you see these things, it's a precursor to let you know that perilous time has come and is coming even the more. The Bible talks about in Matthew 24 that this is just the beginning of sorrows. This is just the beginning, right? And so Luke uh, chapter 9, verses 62 said, Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said that uh, uh, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Uh, and that simply is referring to those people who are apostates, people who have tasted of the goodness of the Lord, and they've 
seen the, and they've witnessed what God has done in their lives and in the lives of other people, the deliverance, the signs, the wonders that followed, uh, the deliverance that they received, the salvation that they received, and that you've tasted that. But because your desire, our desire for worldly pleasure, took preeminence over the things of God, that we've decided to, to turn our backs on the Lord. And that's what the Bible says. They turned their back. They put their hand to the plow and vowed to God and made a covenant and, and, and told God that I'll serve you all the days of my life. And, yes, I want to give my life to you. You walked up to that altar and you raised your hand and you said, God, I say yes, and I accept your salvation. I, I accept you into my life. I want to make a covenant with you. I want to marry. I want to be married to the things of God. Uh, but then you put your hands up and you took back your vow. It's dishonorable. It's ungodly. And so he says, these individuals uh, that put their hands to the plow and look back is not fit for the kingdom. You will not inherit the kingdom. Only those who will inherit the kingdom are those who are obedient to the Lord and Jesus Christ. You follow his precepts. You walk circumspect. You walk in his righteousness. Those are those, the chosen, are those who are fit for the kingdom. And when I look at that scripture, it, it reminds me of Lot's wife. Lot's wife was given an opportunity. They knew of the judgment that which was to come. He gave Lot an, an instruction. said, I'm going to take this city down because it, it's full of uh, impenitent men that don't want to serve me. They, they, they're, 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 they're nasty, for lack of better words. I'm not even trying to be diplomatic about it tonight. I'm going to keep it real with you. Uh, and so God says this, this sin that they're committed is a stench in his natural. I have to destroy the city now. And, and he says, Lot, all right, well, I'm, because I'm going to destroy it, but I want to save you. I want to save your family. I want you to, to take another exodus. I want you to I'm show you where the exit sign is. And I, I want you to move and shift and move away from these, these, these people that's, that's, that's living in sin. Right? Uh, uh, and, and so as they began on their journey, Lot, the Bible said, Lot's wife looked back. She was not fit for the kingdom. And so though this is what happens with a lot of people, she was physically moving forward, but mentally she was looking backwards. And that's what we do. We seem as though we're progressing. But mentally and spiritually we're regressing. We're digressing. And so we will find that we do the ritual. We, we go to church. We do the ritual. And, yeah, I'm going to church, so I must be saved. And, uh, yeah, I'm feeding the homeless. So, yeah, that's salvation. And I'm doing all these good works. And uh, uh, my God says if I do the good works, then, then I shall be saved. But it's not by works that any man should boast. And if I do it, then I'm going to be saved. But mentally, you're not there with God. Psychologically, spiritually, you're not there with God. And so you physically may be in a particular place in a church, but you're perishing at the same time. And there's a lot of people that are sitting down in churches today that's perishing and don't even know it. They've become an apostate and don't even know it because they put their hand to the plow and took it back some way or the other. They're physically in church, but, and they, 
They say they love God, but with their actions, with their deeds, with their life, they're not showing it. And so these are the things that God wants uh, for us to make note of. I'm, I'm moving along here, and I hope you're receiving this. I'm going to open up the line shortly. So an apostasy, an apostasy is a result of having a desire or an appetite for worldliness more than the things of God. So we fall back into the sin, right? Uh, we don't want to give up our wicked ways. We're, we're comfortable with being a liar. We're comfortable with being a whoremonger. We're comfortable with uh, uh, whoring ourselves with the, with the devil. Uh, we're comfortable with uh, being deceitful and cheaters and greedy and, and fornicators. We're comfortable with um, homosexuality uh, and it being around us. Um, uh, we're comfortable with the lawlessness and lovelessness. How are you comfortable? Where's the conviction? How is that we're comfortable in this? So these are the things that God wants to address, and, and, and some feel as though God should tolerate this sin. We, we feel that uh, if we don't say, uh, don't judge me, uh, and God won't judge me like that, and you're, you're too harsh. See, uh, those who want to live in their sin would say things like, don't judge me. Can I keep it real tonight? Oh, they will say, don't judge me. You, you're not God. You don't have a right to judge me. In fact, that's not even biblical. It's not even, let me tell you, let me re, uh, debunk that ideology tonight. That's not even biblical. The Bible says that we shall also be able to judge, especially if you've got the Holy Spirit. And we're telling uh, all of us something for our good, and we're preaching to ourselves. Lest I myself become a castaway. We're not exempt from the pulpit to the pew. Right? And, and so... Uh, they will say things like, don't judge me, or, or it's, okay, it's okay to live carelessly uh, and, and expect the grace to just be upon them. That, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. Grace is given. Grace is given because God knows that uh, our sins was too overbearing. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrificial lamb to die for our sins once and for all. He became the Passover lamb so we don't have to continue to sin. That's why the Bible says, how much more shall you continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Grace is given to you so that you are empowered to live. That's why grace is given. Grace is not given to you so that you can continue to sin. Oh, well, if I sin uh, and if I just do this one time, then uh, God is going to give me grace. And I'll just repent about it afterwards. <laughs> you know, if I, if I know that I go into the store, wow, I want that pocketbook, I want this too, and you go and steal it, uh, you got sticky fingers and you contemplate it, you go and steal it, no, 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 you're, that's presumptuous sin. And then I'll repent for it later. Or if you shack up, I'll repent for it later. Oh, God's going to give me grace. No, we're being presumptuous. And, and we treat God that way. The lack of reverence and fear. The lack of respect and honor. Where is that? And so we expect God to just come and keep bailing us out anytime we make a mess. That's not how this works. And the Bible says it very clearly. He says to us, just like this, choose ye this day um, whom you will serve. If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Right? We, as I said, we can't have 
are, are the best of both worlds. We have to make the conscious decision of what it is that we want to do. Are we going to serve God or we're not going to serve God? And the Bible speaks of it very clearly. The Bible talks about the lukewarm church. He talks about us about being lukewarm. He says, you know what, it's either you're hot or you're cold. I can accept it either way, but if you're lukewarm, if you're dabbling, you're lukewarm, you, you want to be saved, but then you don't, you know, and now you're lukewarm, and I have to spew you out of my mouth because you taste bad to me. I mean, have you ever had a coffee? Have you ever had coffee and, and, and you had it lukewarm? It's disgusting. It, it loses its flavor. It loses the satisfaction of the substance that you're, you're, you have. And, and so you, you can buy a coffee, and the coffee tastes great hot. Or the coffee would be great ice cold. But when it's lukewarm, you spew it out of your mouth. And likewise, God does the same thing with us. He does not want us to be lukewarm. And, and so we believe that we can toy around with God, and God doesn't see my sin. And, oh, no, it, it'll be all right. Because God gives grace, and oh yes, He's merciful, and oh, don't judge me. Let me deal with that later. Let let God. No, you don't want to deal with it later, and that's why He's sending uh, His servants. He's sending a, a, a warning to let you know you don't want to deal with this later. Don't judge you. No, but you don't want God to judge you. Oh, don't judge me. You don't want God to judge you. So it's probably best that God's servants give uh, give out the warning before destruction comes upon us. Now, this is not a doom or gloom type of message. No, this is a message of redemption, a message of restoration to save us, to save all of us so that we can make it, so we can see that promised land, so that after we've lived this life and served God, that we can say, uh, stand before God and, and, and receive our rewards. Because the Bible speaks that there shall be rewards with him. He's going to come with his reward. And he's going to, to test the work. He's going to try the work, uh, uh, everyone's work by fire, and how they've lived their life here on this earth. And so we've got to make the conscious decision of whom we're going to serve and how we live our life and live it consciously and live it well. Do everything that God has told us to do. And so uh, uh, when, whenever God is, is about to show his judgment, as I said before, that's when we decide that we want to blame God. We, we decide that, uh, uh, well, God, you know, we, you caused this to happen, and now, you know, my finances are jacked up. Now the husband and wife left me. I lost my home. I, I lost my car. I lost this. I lost that. No, but there's something in your life that we, we had to examine. Uh, and, then, and then we start to even blame it on the devil. Oh, no, there, there must be some kind of uh, witchcraft going on with me or something. No, we, we can't blame this on God. And neither can we blame it on, on other things either. Sometimes we've got to take an accountability. And so we begin to say, uh, oh, well, God, you know, I don't like how my life is, is, is going. But then God says you have to turn and live. One of the things I like, it says in the scripture, it says in Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 25, I'm going to read it to you. It says it like this, yet you say, the way of the Lord is not fear. 
Hear now, O house of Israel, is it not my way which is fear and your ways which are not fear? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity which he has done that he dies. Again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which he committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive. Because whenever death is produced, it's something that we have done. And when we see fruitfulness, it's because we have turned from our wicked ways. And so the Bible says in verse 28, it says, because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Yet the house of Israel said, the way to the Lord is not fear. O house of Israel, is it not my ways which are fear and your ways which are not fear? Therefore, I will judge you. This is the scripture. I'm not making this up. I promise you. You can find it in Ezekiel. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel. Everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent. A message we do not want to hear. We don't even like to hear that word. But I guarantee you that there's people in hell right now wishing that they can hear the word repent. But they took it for granted. And so because you still yet have time, we're saying don't take it for granted. Repent. And turn from all your transgressions so that, iniqu- your, so that iniquity will not be f- your ruined. Cast away. Here we go again with the separation. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed. And get, your, get yourselves a new heart, a new spirit. Which means that God wants to give you a spiritual renewal. He wants to renew in your life. He wants to restore you. For why should you die, O Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. He's giving us the instructions. He's giving us the blueprint. It's not that hard. When you have the enablement of the Holy Spirit, it's not that hard. The instructions are right here. And if you follow instructions, you will not go in the wrong direction. It's, it's just as simple. We complicate things. We make things hard because we want our own way. And then when things get hard, now we want to blame it on God. But God says, it's your ways that's not fair. It's your ways, it's your doing that's created all these repercussions and the ramifications of the life that you're living now, the consequences and the, the ruins that you're living now is a result of the decision makings that you made, the result of the uh, sins that's been committed. If you return, then he can bless you. If you repent, then you will live and abundance, God will bless you. That's the life he wants to give you. That He wants to give you salvation. God loves you with an everlasting love. He doesn't want to see any of us perish. He wants us to walk in fruitfulness. He wants us to walk in abundance. God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be the head and not the tail. That's the love of God Jesus Christ has for you. He wants to uh, uh, love on you. He wants to bring you back home uh, uh, to the mansion that he's prepared for you. Listen, don't you want to live like that? I would rather I would rather suffer this life now and know that I can inherit an everlasting kingdom shall that will not perish. That new Jerusalem, that that place where there's no darkness. Uh, don't you want to go there? So the temporary things of this world will bring no true satisfaction. It doesn't bring any satisfaction. 
And so we want to make sure that we're not becoming apostates. I'm going to open up the lines for any question, uh, uh, statements, and comments, and then I'm going to get into the points of how to know that you're spiritually dying and becoming an apostate and becoming an apostate. Uh, and so I'm going to open up the lines for anyone who has any questions, comments, and statements. Call it your life. God bless you. God bless you, woman of God. God bless you. Yes, and uh, thank, thank you so much for this. Uh, this has been really a blessing. I've been taking notes as you're talking. I just wanted to uh, add to uh, what you've already said uh, in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. And also with regards to apostasy, I also wanted to correct something I said if I didn't say it correctly. The Greek word for same substance, same substance, uh, referring to uh, uh, the father and the son, is homoousios. Homoousios. Some say homoousios, depending, uh, but I see homoousios meaning the same substance, meaning that Jesus being uh, one with the Father. But uh, there's a scripture. And uh, in relation to what you said, just to uh, further your first, uh, first Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, some more substance. Uh, in the first epistle of John, chapter 2, there's a scripture that reads, uh, verse 17, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Uh, 18, verse 18, little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Verse 19, when they went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have no yeah. doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So when we look at the word of God, when we hear such words, you know, we often say, well, Jesus died for the sins of the world. Uh, I think it's important. You had referenced or you had mentioned the importance of preparing and equipping. In many cases, not, not all, of course, we have not adequately prepared people for the coming of Christ. We have adequately right. prepared them for church. And That's right. what we need to do is to inform people that our master will return. And that's the tragedy of this. We're not we're not preparing people against these doctrines that, that are out there. Doctrines that uh if you are not girded up uh with the Holy Spirit if you have not studied, there are some people who are very eloquent in their presentation. They're very eloquent and very knowledgeable. And if you're not careful, you'll end up believing their doctrine. Why? Because you have not been prepared nor equipped for that type of warfare. So what I'm saying here is that God has set aside an elect. Did Jesus come and die for the world? No. No. And I know that's going to be controversial. The reason why I say no is because of what we what we have read in Romans chapter eight, verses twenty nine and thirty. Uh, we can certainly go there. Any, anyone can uh, reference the scripture when they have an opportunity. In fact, I'll go there now since I started some. 
uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 29 and 30, the scripture reads, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. So, in, in essence, what, what we have here is we have God pre, predetermining what individuals that he has set apart. Who these individuals are, we have no idea. They're not wearing a, uh, a, a writing on their forehead. They, they don't have a sign tied around their necks. Uh, these are individuals who are in the world, so, and they're going through their process. Now, this is why it's important that when we preach the gospel, that's why it's important that we are obedient to what Jesus said when he said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because, again, we don't know who the elect are. As believers, we just go and we do the work. We do what we're told. Uh, so when we think of the gospel, when we say uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So we think that this is a universal. In many cases, there are some people that think that this is a universal message, that everybody's going to be saved. And they'll use the scripture. And it says that God is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering, not willing, not willing. If it's his will, then everyone should, then, then, then everyone should be saved. Everyone should come to Christ. Well, that's not, that's not going to happen. There are going to be people who are going to reject the gospel. It has happened. So this message is for an elect. This message is for a remnant. I know I sound like a, uh, I know I sound like a, a Calvinist, uh, but I'm just going based on Scripture. But this is, and this is the reality here, that God is setting aside a remnant, a people, whoever they are, wherever they are, for himself. So he's telling us in his Scripture to come out from among them, be ye separated from them. It means that it doesn't doesn't mean that we should not love them because guess what? Some of those people who he's telling us to come out from amongst are family members. So it doesn't necessarily mean that we should could be your mother it could be mother and father. It doesn't mean that we should not love them. But let's be honest, uh if they're not serving God and we're going in a completely different direction and we are serving him, uh we're to be light to them, we are to be a blessing and certainly an, an, uh, an example of who Jesus is to them, and ultimately it's their decision. So we have a responsibility to plant the seed, to being that we are in the world, we are to be light in the world, as Christ says, you know, as he was that light. He has now given us that mantle. He has now given us a mandate, a commission, to now do what he did. And not only that, he said, you will do greater works than he did. So this is what we're not seeing. We're, we're, we're not seeing this. We're, we're not seeing the manifestation of the life of Christ in many cases. We're not seeing the demonstration of Christ as well as the manifestation of Christ. And if we're not careful and we're not discerning, we will find ourselves somehow knitted into a worldly system whose only purpose is to do what? 
steal, kill, and destroy. Why do I say that? We know that we have an adversary. And you said something, it's perfect. We blame the devil too much. We give him entirely too much power and way too much credit. Now, I'm not saying that he's not involved, but I think we use that as an excuse to, to, to take away or not to accept accountability, as you stated. So we need to look in the mirror and say, okay, how have I contributed to this situation? How have I contributed to uh, this failure or this lack of success? Uh, what, what have I done? Is there something that I'm not doing? Is there something that I'm doing that's bringing this about? So we have to be honest with one another or, 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 or with ourselves, look in the mirror, take a self-examination, and, and hopefully get this thing right. But, again, we can't do it alone. We can't do it apart from the Spirit of God because I refuse to become a wise fool because there are a lot of people who, who, who can quote Scripture. In fact, they're very, very knowledgeable, but they don't have the Holy Ghost. And these are the individuals who are professing themselves to be wise, but as Scripture says, they have become fools. Why? They've become fools in their own education. They've become fools in their own understanding. And, 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 and they have turned away from God. And as the Scripture says, has, has turned, uh, going to Romans chapter 1, and I'll do this very quickly, the scripture reads, it says here, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So this is, that, that is the backlash, and that is the, the, the curse, if you will, for disobedience. Now you bring yourself into, as you were talking about, a reprobate mind. You have now, in essence, brought a curse upon yourself with your disobedience. Because now you have, in essence, said there is no God. Okay? He has not manifested himself to me, so I have not seen a demonstration of his power, so then he doesn't exist. And yet you have atheists out here who say, well, there's no God, but they will, they will spend a lifetime trying to prove that he doesn't Exist. First of all, he doesn't exist. Why are you trying to prove this? He doesn't exist. So why would you waste your energy and your time trying to prove something that does not exist? That seems illogical to me. So what I'm going to, I just want to say thank you. I'm going to continue to listen, and I hope I didn't go way off to the right somewhere uh, with what the topic is. Okay. I just want to say that. God bless you. Thank you. Uh-huh. I see, uh, I see someone else has a question, statement, a comment. Uh, Color, you are live. I have a question. Yes, ma'am. Hello? Okay. Yes. Um, if um, My question is, if someone that is uh, committing a sin under my authority or in, under my, in my home, will I be accountable for that? If it's, I feel something attacking me that is a worldly thing, Say, for instance, like fornication. Okay. Can you just repeat the question for me, ma'am? Okay. If someone that is committing a sin, say like fornication, that un- un- lives in my home with me, will I be your candle for that? Because something is attacking me. Well, the thing is that you're not accountable for the person's sin. However, uh, you can experience the 
backlash, I would say. You can experience the backlash and the ramification of that person's sins because of, uh, you know, you're within close proximity of that person or there you may somehow be connected to that individual. Now, the only way that it can really take an effect uh, on you are for several reasons. Um, it can do that, as I mentioned, which number one is because you're within close proximity. There's some sort of connection there. Uh, number two, uh, when there's a ne- connection, it gives legal grounds. It gives it legality. Uh, the other thing is could be uh, if there's any sin or there's anything within our lives that we know, don't know of unknowing, unknowingly. It can also affect us. And I use this scripture reference with John, excuse me, Joshua and Achan in the camp uh, because it was unbeknown to them that Achan was in the camp and he has committed a sin against the Lord. And as a result of that, he and his household uh, had to deal with the ramifications and the backlash of that particular sin. So not only was Achan's family also punished for it, uh, but those who were within the camp. So you can experience the consequences of that person's sins. However, if you are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ and uh, your, your life is sanctified and uh, you're constantly prayed up, uh, what happens is that you are not susceptible to those things, God will begin to expose that sin to you uh, before judgment comes upon the house. So that's how God typically acts. He would bring exposure first, uh, and if we don't take heed to them, then it will be able to uh, effectively uh, take a toll on our lives as well and, and our household. So you're not accountable for it, but one can experience the ramification or consequences, the backlash, rather, of that person's sin. So well, I, I hope I answered your your question. Yeah, it, yeah, it's my it's my daughter. <laughs> She's going to move out, but not yet. <laughs> so yeah, and so the thing you. is that sometimes a person can. Uh, be in sin, but it doesn't mean that you're agreeing with it. And and that's what's most yeah. important. You're not compromising with it and you're not agreeing with it. And God sees that. And as a result of that, uh, you will be covered, right? Because uh, I'll give you another example. The Bible talks about Eli and uh, his two wicked sons. And they were conducting things within the, the temple that were not, pleasing unto God, but Eli compromised with his son, and because of that, both of his sons had to deal with God's judgment, as well as Eli had to deal with God's judgment, Uh, but had he not compromised, then it would not have affected him nor his household, and the fact that you're not compromising with it, uh, then God would not hold you liable or accountable for that. It's only when we are compromising with the sin, if we see it, or we turn a blind eye, or, you know, you're endorsing it, and I'm not saying you're doing it, but if we're doing that and compromising with the sin, and we know that it's there, uh, and then that's the only way um, that it can really take an effect or have some sort of legality in our lives as well. Okay. So, um, I... Yeah, I, I hope I um, answered your question. 
And at the end of the day, it's it's not to um, be to what's the word I'm looking for? It's not to be harsh on the person that's in sin, because at the end of the day, uh, God deals with the love. That's the core of the gospel. And yes, we can warn them. Yes, we can judge. But but at the ending of the day, the whole purpose of us saying this to them is out of love. We don't, the last thing we want is when somebody is in sin is to approach them the wrong way and, and, and to do it in such a way where you're in sin, so you got to get out, or you're in sin, uh, so I don't want to have nothing to do with you because i got to separate myself from you and treat them like a leper. That's what you don't want because God would not do that to them. The ultimate objective here is that if they're in sin, it's to, repre- to preach repentance to them, to let them know and to highlight or illuminate, rather, where they're falling short and give them and offer them a solution. Well, this is what you must do to be saved. If you don't do this, this is what may happen. God loves you so much that he does not want you to be in sin. So this is the approach that we should take. We have to let them know where they're falling short, but also offer a solution and doing it in the spirit of love at the end of the day. So um, I believe that's the approach we should take and not just, you know, separating ourselves from people to say, well, you know, I don't want your sin coming from my, come on my life. I don't want your demons to come my demons. You know, we don't want to treat people that way. You know, um, and I'm being, <laughs> you know, I'm being comedic about it. But I want to be real yeah. practical. You know, and I'm not yeah. trying to be all superficial and deep. But, you yeah. know, uh, to let people know, okay, you're in sin. I love you. Jesus Christ loves you. Yeah. And to treat them as such because Jesus sat with the sinners. And he was yeah. criticized for that. But he did it uh-huh. to save them. Not to to be a part of their company. He did it to Again, save them, to pull them out of that. So, yeah. Well, God, I pray that that was a blessing to you. Yes, I, I'm been. Yeah, I. She knows to go to God, but you know, I told her I'm not in in that. <laughs> I I'm not in that. God is teaching her some stuff, and she has to learn fast and whatever. God ain't let me get in that, and I'm good. And okay, teach her, God, and I'm out. But yeah, I didn't know where. <laughs> I didn't know where any of that stuff lie because I'm really trying to focus on God and cut out all the uh, distractions, hindrances, triggers. I'm not trying to go there. I'm trying to get with God and be with God. I'm not trying to do none of that. I'm really trying to get focused, majorly focused on God and only God. And I've had always had distractions and hindrances. So, no, we we trying to change everything at the same time. <laughs> well, I'm really That's right. And there's nothing God. wrong with having standards. Yeah, I, I got to get focused. And it, it, it's no more excuse. It's time to get down to business. So that's, that's right. That's where I'm at. Okay. Thank that's you. right. And, and you're right. You know, all these things are destructive measures. And, and definitely um, – you don't want because someone else is doing it, and you have to deal with it. And, and it's it's important that you know we we do focus on on God and and uh, raise up our children in the admonition of the Lord. And all we can do is actually tell people, but we're not responsible for how they react. We're not responsible for how they process the word. We're just only responsible that we've told them the truth, right? And, and so that's the right thing that you're doing. It's the right thing is to have standards and to let them know I'm going to serve my God. And um and and we spoke about Lot and his wife earlier. He had to leave his wife behind, and so sometimes that happens. 
is that after we've told them the truth, uh, there's nothing we can do thereafter but to leave it to God and keep praying and petitioning God for their salvation. Um, and that's what we have to do. But at the end of the day, because we're free moral agents, it's a decision that we have to make to serve God uh, and, and to, uh, to love him, to follow his commandments, and just pray that God will um, help them to, to be drawn. The Bible says, if I'm lifted up, I will draw a man unto me. So we just have to continue to pray, and we'll be in prayer for your daughter as well. And, and also we're praying for you so that there will be no distraction, that you can serve God freely, and that he will take you higher in Jesus' name. Amen. So, woman of God, thank you so much for uh, sharing that with me. Oh, the other thing, I agree with the guy that he said, uh, yeah, nobody prepared me, trained me for going to a different church and and didn't know they were teaching a false doctrine. So I got I got attacked. So, yeah, I didn't get prepared correctly. So now I'm having to, you know, God has got me with a whole new group of people, and I'm very thankful. That's all I have. Right, and that's right, woman of God. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, I've seen, and just to kind of go on, go back onto what you had shared, Reference back to what you shared about, you know, can something affect me within my own household? And it's the same thing with with the household of faith. You know, uh, because there may be certain sins uh, or certain things that's not that's being conducted that God is not pleased with, because of our ignorance and lack of understanding, uh, it can affect us too. And you say, well, wait, God, how, how did this affect me? Because there was a lack of uh, understanding somewhere. And so let's just say if one begins to fellowship at a, a particular place where there's witchcraft operations, eventually uh, it affects the person. If there's a place where there's a minister preaching false doctrine, then the people are going to adapt to that doctrine. So, you know, it's really all contingent upon our decision-making. And so that's why we have to be, uh, discerning and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and, and, and to direct our path. And unless we do that, we too can become susceptible uh, and praise to the enemy's tactics if we're not careful. And this can happen to the best of us. This can happen to the most anointed of us. We just really have to be prayerful and humble and ask God to, to lead us in the right direction. So are there any more questions, statements, and comments? We have approximately 40 more minutes. I'm going to uh, discuss how to know that you're spiritually dying and becoming an apostate. Um, but I do want to say something in reference to what the man of God shared. I want to say um, this for those who are perhaps uh, not fully developed in the faith yet, uh, those who are in their level of infancy, I, I want to use that word. I won't say maturity. They're in the state of infancy, spiritual infancy, uh, and, and you want to get to know God. And you may say, well, is salvation for me? You know, is God partial? If, 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 you know, if God is partial, then Jesus dying was in vain, right? Um, did he die in vain? Because, you know, he has his elect, so <laughs> maybe that's not me. Maybe that's the reason why I can't come to church or why I can't come to God because he just didn't choose me. Uh, he didn't shed his blood for me. He didn't die for me. You know, so it's it's not that God is selective. Let me say that. God is not selective. God is not selective in a sense where he's partial, that 
he wants us to die in our, in our sins. Uh, that's not his desire for anyone to perish. So I, I want to, to say that, to clear that up for someone who may be in their infancy uh, in the faith, that is not for anyone to feel that God does not love you. He loves all of us. He does not want any of us to perish. Now, the salvation are, are for those who accept the call. Many are called, but few are chosen. The chosen ones are those who say yes to God. And ultimately, God makes the decision based on the life that you live and the salvation plan. Uh, it, that's on God. And so uh, our job is just to say yes. God does the rest, but we are not to use an excuse to say, well, God has his elect, so I'm not going to serve him. Or, well, you know, this is not a universal gospel, so, you know, maybe that's why I'm a Muslim or a Buddha. It's probably just not for me. Uh, It does not mean that you do not need to serve Jesus Christ. It does not mean that Jesus is not the only way. It does not mean that God has his uh, predetermined plan for some people, uh, and you cannot turn to him and repent and run to him. Uh, He wants you to run to him. Uh, What the man of God is sharing is that God has his chosen based on those who say yes. So um, if the man of God would like to come and to even add on uh, anything extra or have any uh, uh, additional comments or statements you would like to make, but I, I do not want uh, those who are listening to this uh, broadcasting to feel that salvation is not for everyone who are seek- who's seeking God. God is not partial. Uh, and, and, and as a man of God, he's not slack concerning his promises. If he says he wants everyone to be saved, then he wants you to be saved. Uh, so I'm going to open up the line for any final, uh, for questions, statements, or comments. Then I'm going to go into um, how to know that you're dying spiritually and what you must do to... Um, Return to your spiritual state of restoration. Hello, woman of God. Are you alive? Hi. Hi, caller, you God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'll shed a little bit more uh, uh, light on that. Um, one thing we have to realize is that all of us, we, as descendants of Adam and Eve, were born in sin, and None of us are deserving of the goodness of God. None of us. And it is only because of his grace. It is only because of uh, the mercy of God. Sending his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us. That is the only thing that really, uh, in fact, Jesus didn't, didn't deserve to die. He died a criminal's death. He did nothing wrong. We are worthy of that. So when I'm talking about the elect, we're not talking about a a, a people who have done nothing wrong. Now, mind you, the elect could be individuals who are in prison. These could be individuals who are homeless. These could be individuals who who have a criminal record that that is just, you, you said there's no way that God would pardon someone like this. Well, why not? And this is why we can't comprehend the mind of God. So this is why it's important. Don't look at yourself. See, it's important that we not look at ourselves because if we look at ourselves and say, oh, well, I, you know, I've done A, I've done B, I've done C. There's no way God would, God would forgive me. Well, we don't have the mind of God. So this 
people, whoever they are, wherever they are on, on in this world, these are people who God has preordained, if you will. Now, there, as I said, there are going to be some people who are going to who are going to accept the gospel. Now, they may not accept the gospel right away. They may not do it right away. They may go through a process where they re, where they're rejecting the gospel. That's very. I I wasn't born like this. I rejected Jesus, and I count it a privilege and an honor to be called a child or a son of God. It is a privilege, not a birthright. Now, for those individuals who may be in their infancy, as the woman of God said, uh, this is the process that we have to go through. It's not an easy process. It doesn't happen overnight. So as long as you are open, and he says, Lord, I hear you. <laughs> when you hear his call, when he says, Lord, I'm hearing you, he's there for you. There are people who are here. And then they get distracted, and then their focus is on something else. Now, is God long-suffering towards those individuals? Absolutely. Why? Because Scripture says so. That he is long-suffering, not willing. Now, with, now to keep, that, that's a little tricky, though, because when you see, we say willing, anything that is the will of God is going to happen. I would equate that understanding, not willing, more to a desire. I'm not trying to reinvent the word of God. I'm just trying to give uh, an explanation to what this, what, what this uh, scripture is saying. Not willing that any should perish, but that, but that all should come to repentance. Meaning that it is not God's desire. It is not his heart. As the woman of God read uh, uh, the, the, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, it is not his will. He gets no pleasure. He gets no pleasure out of seeing people in hell. In fact, he wants us to repent. He wants us to, to, to come to it. But the, but the truth of the matter is, not everyone's going to come. So for those who hear the cry, who hear the call, excuse me, who hear the call of Jesus and come, why? Because his sheep know his voice. Now, we may not come right away. Because it was a time when I didn't come my way, but I kept hearing the voice. I kept hearing it. So finally I said, well, where can I run? Where can I go? And he's not there. So I finally got to a place called <laughs> Sick and Tired, and I got tired of running. I got tired of doing my own thing, and I said, Lord, I'm yours. But that took a long time. It didn't happen overnight. So you're going to go through your infancy. Accept it, because in your infancy, you can now, when you are, uh, 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 to a place where you are uh, mature, further ahead in your understanding of the things of God, you can now say, look, I too was there, my brother, my sister. I know what you're going through. I was there. I was where you're at today. So this has to be a message of love. Remember, Jesus was the only one who could have stoned the woman caught in the act of adultery according to the law. And as I have shared many mm -hmm. times before, I never could understand why the man wasn't there to fulfill the entire law. Where was the man? So uh, apparently, well, he was nowhere to be found. So um, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery had her accusers before her. 
But Jesus now turned the situation around and asked them, or, or, or said to them, let he, whoever that was that had that stone in their hand, if you are without sin, if you are perfect, then you be, then go ahead, cast stones, because you are well in your right to do so. You're perfect. None of them could do that. So they dropped their stones and they went on about their business. Jesus, again, was the only one who could have condemned her, but he chose not to. He chose to love that woman. He chose to embrace her. And, 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 and Yes, and said, woman, go and sin no more. Turn away from your wickedness. That is the heart of God, and that is the same heart that we have to display. So, uh, oh, and by the way, I wanted to share, too, uh, the woman of God uh, uh, sure. who was uh, very quickly. Um, you know something? Uh, I heard her say that uh, she's trying to focus on God. Well, woman of God, uh, understand this too, that this is a spiritual war, as, as you may be aware of right now, um, or maybe not. I don't know where you're at in terms of your, your uh, uh, infancy process you're going through. But if Satan, as you mature, as you advance, as you focus on God more, now Satan says, okay, I can't get her attention. She's getting stronger. So guess what? As she's getting stronger, I, we can't afflict her the same way that they used to attack you. So now they're going to come after those close to you, and that would be your children. So that's just something I wanted to share because you're, you're advancing in the kingdom. And the enemy is saying, okay, all right, she's strong in this area. But you know what? Let, let, let's try another area. Let's try to get her... Let's try to afflict her in some other way. So I'm saying this just to prepare her because it gets the, the, this fight gets more intense. It gets more personal as you grow in Christ. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that, man of God. It's always a pleasure uh, to hear you share. Uh, we have approximately half an hour left. I'm going to uh, touch these few points, and then I'm going to uh, make this a part two series teaching. Uh, so here's some ways to know how that you're spiritually dying <clears throat> and becoming an apostate. You have left, number one, you have left your first love. The Bible talks about that. We're going to be delving into that in just a short while. But you have left your first love, meaning uh, not your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or your spouse. We're talking about the Lord here. We're talking about God. You have left him. You you once knew him. You made a covenant with him. Uh, you were loving on God. You were loving on Jesus. But then uh, something caught your eye, and something had your appetite, and you decided that you wanted to uh, uh, serve that and 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 serve another God, uh, uh, and you forgot about the Lord. And so that's what he's talking about. You have left your first love. This is a clear sign and indication to know that you're spiritually dying and becoming an apostate. Uh, your, your, your passion for God is not where it used to be. The fire is dwindling down. Your, your, you know, you want you to pray now. It's like, uh, I, I talk to God occasionally. You know, oh, uh, yeah, I just, um, yeah, once in a while, I, I love God, but I just, Oh no! I just you just don't know what you want to do anymore. Uh, so those are signs that you're spiritually dying, right? You're spiritually diminishing. Uh, number two, you, you, the, the church services bore you. Now I, I'm gonna make that plain. Uh, the church services bore you. Now. I'm being honest. There are some church services that do bore you, <laughs> but. Uh, 
I'm not I'm not talking about a boring church. That's that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about when you are in church and the spirit of the Lord is there, the presence of the Lord is there, but you're just there watching your clock. When is this service is going to be over? You know, I've been here all day long. You know, I got here eleven o'clock. Now it's twelve o'clock. I gotta go. <laughs> you know. And, and they didn't even get into the word yet. So it's those little things that it bores you. You just don't want to be there. You just don't. I don't want to go to church. I just don't want to be there. It's boring. I'm watching my clock. Uh, I'm not interested anymore. Something is just. I'm no longer feeling connected. And I'm not talking about the church services that are boring because you have some people that are very religious and boring, right? Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about uh, you are being tired of the systems or the religion and the tradition uh, and the ritual, because that is boring. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about those who are desiring a movement, who are desiring uh, the Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you just not connected at all. In fact, you, you used to go to church every Sunday now, and you used to go to prayer meeting and Bible study. Now you're just you're 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 a visitor. You're not you're not attending there, but you're just a visitor, and, and you only see church on Easter, and you only see church on Christmas, and whenever there's a special event, or when the church is serving food or giving away clothes, <laughs> uh, you know something is wrong there. Uh, number three, you're you're failing to do what you know you should do. So God is requiring you to to serve Him in total obedience and in, in total submission. Uh, he, you know that you're supposed to go out there and and do the will of God. And the Bible says that the the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. Uh, you know what you're supposed to do. He's given you the talent, but here you are with the talent and you're just using it or you're abusing it, right? Uh, or you're not using it at all. And, and and you find yourself not doing what you know you're supposed to do. You know you're supposed to get up and pray, but you just don't feel the urge and need to pray. You know, night after night, day after day, it's just this, this lethargy that comes upon you. Uh, you're supposed to read your Bible, but you, your Bible's collecting dust. You know, uh, you, you haven't picked up your Bible or opened it in a long time. You know, uh, these are things that we have to look into. And I'm trying to be as practical as I can uh, so so people can get it. You know, I I did not want to try to be or or articulate it tonight because when this is a message of warning, you you know, and and it's it's a message to tell people about salvation and saying now is the time. You're not going to be articulate. If a person is in a burning building, you're not going to yell out to them, excuse me, um, this is a... Five alarm fire that's now taking place. You might want to evacuate, and you don't want to be able to look. Get out the place. It's a fire taking place. Sure. Go and save yourself. Help. Get you. So mm-hmm. I, I want to be practical tonight, yeah. and, and and that's why I'm just talking. Uh, uh, you know what you should do. You know you're supposed to serve God. You know you're supposed to go to church. You know you're supposed to do, do your due diligence, uh, but you just don't want to do it. You're either procrastinating. You don't have the zeal to do it. Uh, it's just not in you to do it. Uh, those are signs that you are becoming an apostate or you're spiritually dying. Uh, how about this one? Worldly things attract you more than spiritual things. 
And I think that's probably one of the most uh, popular ones, that that the enemy has seduced people with the things of the world. Now it's the technology. We're we're in a technological era where it's just like everything is just uh, uh, the tech, the world of technology, and that's what people are are so consumed by. We're consumed by the celebrities and the flashiness of life and the temporary things. And so now it's there. People feel like there's no need to serve God because when you serve God, it it comes with suffering and it comes with taking up a cross and it comes with seeking. And who wants to do all that? It takes patience and it takes time and who wants to do all that and it takes the rules and the laws and it's just too much but the world is is is, is gimme give gimme give gimme give it's right there before my eyes and but we have to remember this is exactly what satan did to jesus when he was tempted upon the wilderness right and he began to offer him the things of the world but what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan, because this it's a trick. It's a plan of the enemy to let you feel that there's satisfaction in those things, to make you believe that there's fulfillment in those things, but it's a trick. It's a lie of the devil because at the end of the, of the day, the mass is going to fall off, and he's going to let you know who he really is. You're going to see the true colors, and he's going to take you to a devil's hell where there's no redemption. There's, he's going to take you to a place where you have never imagined and where you do not not want to be. Hello, somebody. This is Christianity, gospel preaching 101. I'm getting practical tonight because sometimes we get so ahead of ourselves and now oh, I already know those things. I, uh, we don't need to teach these things anymore. In fact, and that's what's been happening. Uh, we, we've gotten so sophisticated on God that now we don't even preach practical teaching anymore. We have to have a healthy sense of balance because what's What's happening now, some of these prominent leaders and preachers, they're not preaching about hell anymore. You turn on your TV and turn on one of those networks. When was the last time you heard somebody preaching about warning somebody about hell? Please tell me when was the last time. I am yet to hear someone on a network say that. When was hardly the last time? You even hear them mentioning Jesus' name. You hear them say God, but you're not going to hear them say, you're not going to hear them talk about real Pentecostal spirits. When was the last time you hear Oh, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You hardly hear that. Something is wrong. We really need to evaluate that. Who are we following? The worldly things. Because I'm afraid that if we preach this message that's in the Bible, the unadulterated, the, the, the uncensored kind of gospel, if I preach this kind of message, guess what? I won't have friends. People won't like me. We won't have a network. We won't have money. We, we, you know, we, we won't have a, a sense of income. We can't preach this message. It doesn't, it's not popular. This is not what the people gravitate towards. So let's just kind of dilute it just a little bit. Diluted message cannot save anybody. In fact, we're going to be held accountable for that. That's how you know you're dying spiritually. Because if you are in this gospel business to be liked for kudos, for brownie points, huh? if you're doing this for applause, you're in the wrong profession. Might as well be a clown. And I'm being brutally honest tonight. Uh, Christianity and being a preacher of the gospel is not for you. You signed up for the wrong profession. I'm going to move on. Here's my last point. No participation in the work of the church. 
You just don't want to participate in the work of the church. You, you don't want to go out there to evangelize. You don't want to preach to people. You don't want to tell people about Jesus. No, I'm not going to help feed the homeless. No, I'm not going to visit those are uh, in the hospitals. I'm not going to the prisons. I'm not, go- and you're just not doing the work. But the Bible says that I must work while it is yet day. For when night cometh, no man can work, and that time is approaching. That time is here. Huh? It's here where no man can work. And we're going to wish that we had the opportunity to do the work of God. But there won't be any other opportunities. I'm going to open up the lines uh, for any questions, statements, or comments. Uh, and it's fine if you want to interject. As many times as you like, that's fine. Uh, we, we welcome and advocate that this is a forum, and, and we speak and converse and, and, uh, and talk one with another, amen, and share with one another. So if you have anything to share in reference to uh, uh, what I just spoke about, Caller, you are live. We have approximately about 15 more minutes before we conclude uh, the live broadcasting for tonight. Woman of God. Hey, God bless you. No question. I just want to go back to something you said earlier. There's no fear of God. Uh, Ministry, in many cases, it it has become, as we've spoken about in the past, entertainment. And I believe Satan, and again, uh, whether we want to admit it or not, this, this is a strategy. And if We can say, okay, well, we went to church, we heard a message, it sounded great, but when we really examine this, the the John the Baptist type of ministries are are, are very few and far between. When we start talking about repentance, we start getting into heaven and hell and and doing a teaching on, on, on heaven and hell, is this something that is going to attract people? And unfortunately... There are many people who don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear about an eternal hell. And this is why the, there's a false teaching out there. Some people teach there, there, there are some groups or sects of Christians that, that say, well, there is no hell. I'm like, the devil is a liar. And they say, well, oh, that's a teaching, uh, that, that, that's a Hellenistic teaching. Or it's that's where it originated. Uh, it doesn't really exist. Uh, well, here's the thing. One thing about the Word of God, I feel, and I when I say I feel, why, how is it? And this is a question we need to ask. You're a believer of Jesus Christ. You say that you are a Christian. Why do you believe what you believe? Why are you so staunch and firm that Jesus, uh, when he spoke, that he was a figure of authority? We're going to be challenged on these things. We're going to be challenged who Jesus is. Uh, Some people don't believe that he's God. There are going to be people who are going to even challenge you on your eternal dwelling place. There are people that don't believe in heaven. They're saying, I'm not picking on them, I guess I am. <laughs> There's people that say, look, we're not going to heaven. We're going to remain here on earth. 
So there are people that believe these things. Why? Because this is what they have been taught. And they go and they do their door-to-door, and this is the message they're bringing. Now, that may not be the uh, message that they bring in the beginning, but over time, they win you over with their personality, with their charm, with their kindness, with their gentleness. But remember, the serpent is what? Very subtle, cunning. And if we're not careful, we will find ourselves engaging in the same things that the serpent engaged in in the garden. Right. Mm-hmm. Very subtle. Yes. Are you sure that God said? He listen, but and because you're not firm, because you are not standing on solid ground, and you have some uh, 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 knowledge of of the Bible, you have you prepared for these individuals to come into your presence to bring to you a different gospel? Because if you are not firm in your understanding, next thing you know, you become one of them. So this is why, and I'm going to go back to what you initially said with regards to the importance of preparation, because this is what the enemy's doing. He's knocking on doors. He's going door to door, and he's presenting a, he's presenting a gospel. Oh, excuse me, let me phrase that. He's presenting a doctrine, not a gospel, because what he's presenting is nothing good in what Satan is presenting. So he's presenting a doctrine. Now, you have individuals who are well well grounded and they're very and they will welcome these individuals in. And some people say you should not welcome them into your home. You say you can maybe uh, speak to them in a, a, a different setting, but don't bring them into your home. And you can sit down with them and you can talk about scripture and but never compromise. Never problem. I said, well, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but this this is the Bible that I read. This is what the Bible says. And if you're going to tell me that Jesus, okay, is not God, you have to now say, well, then, okay, if you say that he's not God and he's just a creation of God, then in essence, he died for nothing. Then where is our salvation coming from? Because according to my Bible, salvation is of God, as I was sharing earlier. So, again, I'm not going to get too much in deep. In depth, excuse me, uh, with with this, but this is something that again we must study to show ourselves approved. We must have what we call an apologetic type of posture, meaning making a defense for what we believe. Do not just say, "Well, uh, I'm a Christian based on the fact that my mother's a Christian and her mother was a Christian," but I am a Christian because I have seen. I have, you know what, I've seen God. I've heard him. In fact, you know what, we have conversations in the morning. He talks to me. And when you talk like that, people say, oh, what's wrong with this person? God talks to you? Yes, read your Bible. Did not, he talk, did not God talk to his prophets? Did he, did he not talk to his people? So, yes, this is what this relationship, not religion, as you discussed earlier, God, but relationship. And when you have an abiding relationship with God, yes, he wants to come and talk to you. He wants to come and, and, and give you uh, uh, important information on what he's trying to do and what he wants you to do. 
So um, that's all I wanted to say. I know you're running out of time. I don't want to take up your whole 15 minutes. God bless you. No, God. that's I okay. Just, I understand. Thank you so much. And I, I, I love the work you're doing on, on Kingdom Empowerment Radio. And, and please keep up the good work. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. You're truly... Truly are a tremendous blessing, uh, men of God. Uh, thank you so much for your commitment, your faithfulness, and always sharing, uh, you know, your insight and your sharing always makes the the uh, the live broadcasting so much more enriching. So thank you for that, men of God. So let me just close out with the last ten minutes that I have here. I'm gonna for the last five minutes I'm going to be talking about uh, the loss of your first love. And so Revelations chapter two verses four it says nevertheless. I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first work, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Though hear, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church, so, my friends, uh, it is time that we repent and turn to God. Uh, God wants us to be able to get our spiritual houses in order. And the Bible talks about that. It says in First Peter chapter uh, 4, verse 17, it says, For the time uh, is come that judgment uh, must begin at the house of God. And if it first begins at us or with us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? And so what happens is that God does not want us to be caught by surprise. The man of God is speaking about preparation. So it's not time for us to get ready. We have to be ready, right? And so uh, God is preparing us to, to do uh, the work, to be ready, right? Uh, and God has released one of his greatest prophets to have ever lived, and that was John the Baptist. And he came with one message, and we can find that in Matthew chapter 3, verses 2 through 4. Again, that's Matthew chapter 3, verses 2 through 4. Uh, he says, and saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. Make his path straight. And so that was his assignment, was to let uh, individuals know to repent. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Return to your first love so that we're not caught by surprise because of a certainty. Judgment is going to be uh, uh, sent to the house of God first. And why is he saying that? Because we know the truth. We hold the truth. We're held accountable. We preach the truth. And so too much is given, uh, much is required. And then all those uh, who do not obey the gospel. The Bible says uh, a judgment is going to come upon them. What shall the end of them that be of those who does not obey the gospel? And, and, and that means it's, these things are going to be far worse. You know, so what, what God wants us to know is that we have to begin to sound the alarm, cry aloud and spare not. Return to our first love. So here's the solution for tonight's teaching, my friends. He wants us to, uh, number one, have a relationship with him. Uh, get close to God. If you have not gotten close to God, now is the time. If you have not received the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, 
Now is the time. If you know someone that needs Christ, then preach to them because you don't know the minute or the hour. I recently had a neighbor that passed away last week. She passed away at her own home. Uh, and, and, and it's just like that. You see them one day, the next minute they're gone. Uh, life is not promised to anyone. So we want to make sure that our call is an election sure, that we are, are, are in right standing with God. So, number one, you want to develop a relationship with the Lord and ask God to take you deeper. You want to establish a sincere and authentic prayer life with God. Prayer is not boring. In fact, prayer is what fuels the Christian. It's, it's, just, it's our life source. It's our power source. You want to pray. It's, it's how we communicate with God so that we can draw closer to him. It's what keeps the frequency of heaven open, the portal of heaven open so that we can have the lines of communication open between our, ourselves and the creator. You want to live a life that's a circumspect. You don't just want to call yourself a Christian and say, well, I told God yes, and then you go back to living the way uh, that we did. Uh, now he requires for you to take up your cross and follow him. He requires holiness. He requires you to give it all over to him so that you can receive an everlasting inheritance, and that is the kingdom of God. Uh, we definitely want to return to our first love if you are an apostate or if you have uh, are spiritually dying or experience any of these things that I've mentioned. Return to your first love and repent. A repentance is a practice, a thing that we have to do, to do every day to make sure that we are in right standing with God. And I know this sounds so simplistic, but this is probably the hardest thing for most people to do. Although we know it, we don't always practice it. So somebody say, oh, I know this already. Oh, this is so basic. No. Well, then this is why God has to keep repeating himself because apparently we did not get it. That's right. So these are the solutions. He, those are the solutions. If you sin, get right back up. Ask God for forgiveness for your sins. And say, Lord, I repent of my sins. I want to receive you. And God will give more grace and more mercies. He will allow his Holy Spirit to come upon you to enable you to live holy. There is no excuse. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our paraclete. He's everything that we need him to be. And he is here to, uh, to empower us, to strengthen us, to guide us. Anything you want God to do, he is the I am. He will be just that in your life. My friends, uh, I, I want to... For the last four minutes, I just want to give a small uh, an, an announcement that I'm on here every first and third Mondays of every month at 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, two hours of teaching, two hours of teaching. Uh, if you haven't already, you are at liberty uh, to uh, try to connect with me on my social media page. I'm extending the invitation. Uh, you can connect with me on my Facebook like page. In the event you have any further questions, you can ask me on my like page in confidentiality, uh, or you can just connect with me there at Dehema McLean Ministries on Facebook. That's D-I-H-I-M-A. M-C-L-E-A-N, McLean Ministries, or you may simply uh, just 
go and uh, look up some YouTube videos if you want some teaching, if you want some understanding, or simply just join us here on Kingdom Empowerment so that you can speak to us live and direct. If you have any prayer requests, we're here to pray with you. We are here uh, to build you up. We're here to sharpen your iron. Hallelujah. And join together in the unity of our faith. Amen. And so tonight I definitely want you to get connected. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, uh, I, I am extending an invitation for you to get to know him. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Listen, I never get weary, spiritually speaking, of, of, of loving on Jesus. And I know that... Um, my voice, though, my voice may get tired, but uh, that's for a good cause. It's because I'm always preaching. You know, I'm always ministering. All this week I've been ministering so uh, and talking to people about Jesus. So sometimes I lose my voice physically, but uh, spiritually I'm being empowered. And, and, and that's what it is. Though you may feel physically tired, but spiritually you, you are being empowered. The outer men may perish, but inwardly you are gaining life. And so that's what God wants for everyone. Every single one of us. And so I invite you to get to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior so that we too may be in that number when the road is called up yonder. I want to be there. Will you be there? But all it requires is for you to say yes. Say, Lord, I receive you. I accept you into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart by faith that I am saved and he shall come into your life. Even if you are a seasoned Christian, listen, we want to renew in our lives. There's always deeper depths and higher heights in God. There's always new dimensions that we are yet to tap into. And so I want to get there. I want the glory of God to rest upon me and to rest upon all of you tonight so that we may uh, dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of our life. Hallelujah. Well, tonight that concludes my teaching. I want you to join me on uh, the uh, third uh, Monday of this month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Amen. Uh, back for some more teaching. We're going to make this a part two session of sounding the alarm. We have so much more in store for you. It's only good going to get better. God bless you tonight, my friends. Live in the expectancy of God. I love you, and Jesus Christ loves you even more. Have a blessed night. God bless you. Good night.